people. Hey, welcome everyone to Church Online. My name is Omar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church. And as we all know, listen, our nation has gone through very, sev- uh, very tough and difficult several weeks uh, just to see the murder, the injustice, uh, the bitterness, the anger, the protest. I think we just gone through very tense moments in, in the life of our nation. And we knew as a church that we could not just fix all these issues but we knew that we at least wanted to have a conversation about it. And so this past week on, on Wednesday night, I asked our teaching team to get together and have a roundtable discussion to discuss racial inequality and racial injustice. And I thought it was just a great conversation where we all learn from each other. You know, we're all, we're all learning all about this, about everything going on. We encourage each other. But I think the the big win here was that we were able to provide for you a biblical perspective on everything going on so that you can properly process everything you see in the news. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not watched that conversation, I strongly encourage you to do so. You can go go to cfmiami.org, our main website, and on the front page, you'll see a link where you can click on that and you can watch it for yourself. And I think it'll be very, very beneficial for you and your family. But before we dive into God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer because at the end of the day, what we all long for in our country is just healing and restoration. And we know that the only one that could do that is the Lord. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and just pray for our country before we begin. Father, we come before you and my Lord, I think we all of us are heartbroken uh, by what, everything we, we, we have been seeing on the news and And Lord, even when we are in the state of confusion and of hurt and of a lot of people in our city, in our country, in our congregation are going through just very painful moments, Father, we know that you're the only one that could restore. Father, you're the only one that could heal. And so, Father, we pray, oh Lord, that you would heal our nation. Father, even in the midst midst of such a complex issue, Father, I pray that you would guide us, that you would provide healing and that, Lord, that you would help our country get to this, through, through this season, Lord, so that we can move forward and live lives that are peaceful, loving, that we will love each other, and that we will see justice being served. And so, Father, we just lift up our entire nation to you, and we ask you for healing and restoration. We love you, Lord, so much. As in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, church family, today we're actually starting a brand new series called Death to Selfie, where we're going to be looking at how we can kill those sins in our lives that are just really having a massive impact, and how can we get rid of these things in our lives so that we can live lives that glorify Christ. And so we are, uh, have been in the book of Colossians. Today we're going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 3. And so wherever you find yourself, you can just follow along as I read, all right? It says this, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So listen to what happens next. So put to what? Put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, kill that sin in your life. That is the word of the Lord. You know, one of the things that Ashley and I love to watch on TV 
are shows that originate from the era during the, wor- the, the world wars. And shows like The Crown and Downton Abbey, and we love, love, love those shows. And one of the stories that came out of that time period was the story of Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, Neville Chamberlain. And he was the prime minister of England during that time. Now, go back with me to the late 1930s, because the world was still recovering from the devastation of the First World War. And out of nowhere came this man called Adolf Hitler to rule Germany. And folks, it was evident right from the start that his agenda was not a benign one. Instead, instead his agenda was one of pain and one of destruction. And not only did he want to expand the borders of Germany at any cost, listen, he would in the process eradicate anybody who would stand in his way who did not align with his ideology. And folks, early on, Chamberlain was in the perfect place, in the perfect position to not only neutralize Hitler, but to get rid of Adolf Hitler. And so in September of 1938, Chamberlain went to confront Hitler. And you would think that Chamberlain had this mentality to get rid of Hitler, this mentality to eradicate, to kill Hitler, to neutralize him. But folks, in, but instead, Chamberlain had a, a mentality to appease Hitler. And he thought, listen, if I could just appease him, if I could just contain him, if I can make concessions with Hitler, if I could just keep this man at bay, then he will not go on to do any more damage. In fact, when he went to go confront him, listen, the world called this encounter the great appeasement. This was the moment where Chamberlain confronted Hitler and just tried just to keep him at bay. And folks, we know the story because Hitler didn't just stay where he was. In fact, he he continued and he went on to inflict pain and terror all throughout the world. And because of it, millions and millions of people lost their lives. But family, don't miss the point here. Because the great mistake that Chamberlain did was trying to appease Hitler. To, he, the great mistake was trying to make concession with him, keeping him at bay. And because of it, listen, he went on to cause much pain and much destruction. Now, family, let me just bring all that story over to our teaching for today. Because family, what an image, what an image of the great mistake that many believers make when dealing with sin in their life. And by that, I mean that just like Chamberlain made the great mistake of trying to appease him, just trying to contain him, listen, just like that. And here's the big takeaway as we start this brand new series, Death to Selfie. Many believers make the great mistake of trying to appease sin in their life, of just trying to contain that pet sin in their life. And who knows, maybe in your life, when you face sin, 
Maybe that sin is a sexual sin. Maybe that sin is a specific relationship. Maybe that sin that you appease and you keep at bay is unforgiveness, is bitterness, is, is hatred to even maybe a family member. Maybe that sin in your life is a certain addiction. Maybe that sin is gossip of greed. But, but oftentimes the great mistake that Christians make is that when they come face to face with a sin, their sin, they don't eradicate sin. They don't kill sin in their life, but rather what? They make the great appeasement. They appease uh, that sin. They keep it at bay and they allow that sin to linger. And it goes on to cause more damage than they would ever dream of. Who knows? Maybe you're watching right now, you're thinking, Pastor, that is me to the T because I feel like I have certain sins in my life that I have not been able to overcome. And I don't want them to continue destroying my, I, I need to get rid of this sin in my life. And so Pastor, how can I do this? How can I get to a point where I kill sin in my life? We're gonna find out from Colossians chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, you can open up your app or take, in a, uh, take out a journal, a piece of paper, and you can jot notes with me. But today I have two thoughts for us today on how you and I can kill sin in our life. Write this down as point number one. Listen, killing sin is not optional. The first thing I want you to understand is that killing sin in your life is not optional. In fact, let's go back to the passage. Listen to what it says. It says this. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And folks, notice the next phrase. What does it say? It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, if you have your Bibles open, circle the phrase put to death. Because the word there put to death, the phrase there put to death is actually in the imperatival mode. It's not a suggestion in your life. It's a command in your life. Now, keep in mind, the Apostle Paul here was writing to a, the church in the city of Colossae with people who were facing and tempting certain sins just like you and I face sins in our lives. And so Paul here is telling them, listen, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you have died with Christ, if you are a child of God, then put to death that of what is earthly in you. In other words, killing sin in your life is not optional. And folks, as a pastor, Here's a sad tragedy that I see so many believers make in their life. See, when it comes to killing sin in their life, many people treat sin like Chamberlain treated Hitler. And they think, you know, I know I should overcome this sin. You know, I know that it will be great if I didn't struggle with that sin in my life. But they don't have the mentality that I got to kill this sin in my life. And so family, as we start this brand new series, Death to Selfie, I want to lay out all my cards out on the table so you understand what my goal is. Because my goal, our goal as a teaching team during this series is to elevate your urgency in killing sin in your life. 
Now, when God's word says kill sin in your life, it's not referring to eradicating completely sin from your life. Why? Because listen, until on this earth, listen, we have a sinful nature. We're going to struggle with sin to a certain degree in our life. And it's not until we go to heaven, see Christ face to face, that we get a new body, a glorified body, that we no longer sin at that point. And listen, that's going to be an amazing day, right? Where we don't have a sinful nature anymore. But until then, listen, we are going to have struggle with sin to a certain degree. And so killing sin is, is not saying you can never sin anymore, but rather don't allow certain sins in your life to get to a point where they overcome your life, where they begin to destroy your life, where they begin to just dominate your life. See, you cannot let, let it get to that point. And this is why God's word says in 1 John, it says this, it says, no one born of God makes a what? Makes a practice. No, no child of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's word, for God's seed, abide in him. Now notice, it doesn't say no one born of God ever sins, right? It doesn't say that. It says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And so family, my goal is that you come to a point in your life where you decide, you know what? It is time to overcome the sin in my life and kill it once and for all. And here's why. Write this down as letter A. It's because that sin will kill every area of your life. That sin will destroy particular areas in your life. In fact, listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says. Listen to what it says. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now notice, if you live your life according to the flesh or according to the sinful ways in this world, you will die. In other words, if sin is not dealt with in your life, if you let it creep in, it's going to begin to destroy that specific area in your life. And you know, one of the greatest books that, that has ever been written, it's an old book on this topic of killing sin, is by John Owen, and it's called The Mortification of Sin. Short little book, a powerful book. In fact, I read it about 10 years ago on a flight to England, so it's, it's, it's doable. You can read it. And the most famous line from that book that many Christian authors have quoted before is this. He says this in this book. He said, kill sin or sin will be killing you. Kill sin or sin will be killing you. You know, so simple and so to the point, right? And so if you think in that in your life that that sin is not affecting your life, the truth is that it's slowly but surely destroying that particular area in your life. You know, keep in mind that the, that the enemy's greatest tactic against you regarding sin is to get you to think that that sin that you're harboring, that that sin that you're keeping at bay, that you're trying to control, but you're keeping there, that that sin is not having an effect on your life. That, that you can keep it there, but it's not really that, doing that much damage in your life. But can I tell you, listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Listen, that is almost a lie that Chamberlain believed about Hitler. 
Because listen, from practical experience, we know that, that that's not true. Because if you start just reflecting on those areas in your life that in the past you've allowed sin to come into your life, this past year, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you start reflecting in those, in those, about those moments in, in your life that you allowed sin to creep in, every single time you allowed sin to come into an area in your life, it, it led to pain, it led to sadness, it led to destruction, to discouragement. It just caused havoc in your life. And so, folks, the, the reality is that the, the, the effects of sin are always greater than we could ever imagine. In fact, Ravi Zacharias, the great um, apologist, Christian apologist, who actually just recently uh, passed away, one time he made, he made a statement that was, I just thought was just so powerful and just right on this topic. Listen to what it says. Listen to what he said once. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Now, folks, just, just think about how powerful these three statements are. And if you can, just replace whatever sin you're struggling with right now, replace it with that word. Whatever it is, that sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you there longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. You know, years back, I had a good friend of mine that his father uh, was ending a long bout of adultery in his life, and it nearly destroyed his marriage. And after all that was done, he sat down with his son, and he began to explain a little bit of, of how this whole thing happened. And he told his son, listen, son, I, I, never, I never meant for all this to happen. You know, it's not like I woke up one day and I said, today I'm going to commit adultery. Today I'm going to cheat on your mom. But instead, what he wanted to explain is that that sin, it, that, the whole, that adultery happened through a thousand different small different actions. And there was one little look, one little text, one small conversation, one meeting, one, and it just continued to evolve to the point that it grew into adultery. And, and, and so, folks, the, the reality is that once he allowed that sin to come into his marriage life and it continued to develop, listen, unfortunately, that sin kept the, led him to go farther than he ever wanted to go. It kept him in that adulterous relationship way longer than he wanted to stay. And, then, and, and it ended up costing him way more than he wanted to pay. And family, I know adultery is a heavy subject, but listen, you can apply that to any sin in your life, to any area in your life, in your things with your children, in your career, in your personal life, with your friendships. Listen, when you allow sin just to get in and start developing, listen, it's gonna go farther than you want it to go, keep you there longer, and you're gonna pay and suffer way more than you ever expected. And folks, listen, not only would that sin destroy that area in your life, but also write this down as letter B, if you let sin go unchecked in your life, sin will kill your eternal future. Listen, folks, when God's word says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. When, when God's word says that, it's not only meaning that it's going to destroy those areas in your life, but it means eternal death. It means eternal 
separation from God. That's what the consequence of sin is. The wages of sin is death. But folks, keep in mind, even though that's true, for those who put our faith in Christ, for those who've had a relationship with the Lord, listen, sin can no longer affect your eternal future. See, there's why God's word says in Romans chapter eight, it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so listen, if you put your faith in Christ, listen, there's no condemnation. Sure, there may be conviction about a sin, but you, need, you don't need to fear that there's condemnation, that you're gonna spend eternity without Christ. Why? Because you've been forgiven. However, folks, and here's what I want us to understand. The way that you fight sin in your life, listen, is proof of whether or not you are truly a child of God, of whether or not you know Christ as Savior. In fact, look again to what 1 John chapter 3 says. Listen to what it says. It says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seeds abide in him. And notice, he cannot keep on sinning. In other words, there is a fight in within them that they can just, they cannot go on, keep on sinning. Why? Why? It's because he has been born of God. And notice the next phrase. By this, it is evident who are the children of God. You see, if someone who's a child of God you know, if they have, if someone has a desire to kill sin, listen, it's, it's confirmation in their life. They're convicted. They have this desire. It's really confirmation that you're truly a child of God and that you've experienced the forgiveness of God. And so you may be like, hey, Pastor Omar, listen, that's me. Man, I, I know Christ. I've experienced forgiveness, but man, I need to overcome this sin. So, so how can I do it? Because I'm getting discouraged here. So how can I take steps? So, First off, write this down as big number two. Know this, know that killing sin is possible. Now, the reality is that if God commands us, right, to kill sin in our lives, then it must be possible. I think something what happens is, is that in our life, because we've had this pet sin in our life for so long and struggled with all these different things, and we think, you know what? I just throw in the towel, I will never be able to overcome that sin. And folks, even though we will never reach full perfection in this lifetime, right? Because, right, we still have a sinful nature. I said it earlier, it's until we get to, to heaven that we have a new nature and we don't sin anymore. It is possible, child of God, that in this life, you can overcome that sin to the point that it doesn't dominate you and take over your life anymore. It's possible. And so you think, okay, Omar, so how do we do it? Well, I have three steps for you. Write this down as letter A. First of all, rely fully on the Spirit of God. In fact, let's go back to the book of Romans. It says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the what? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, folks, if you're in Romans, circle the phrase by the Spirit. Because three, several weekends ago, I taught on the, on, on, the, on the fact that overcoming sin is not about just enforcing rules on yourself, right? So you can enforce rules on yourself. It might 
mitigate little things, but listen, it won't do anything for long-term overcoming sin. But God's word here is making very clear that the only way that you can kill sin in your life is by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God. So the first step is realizing, listen, that you're not alone in this fight. God is with you and he will help you because through the Spirit, he will empower you. And so here's the second step. Write this down at small letter B. You now have to grab the sword of the Spirit. Grab the sword of the Spirit. Now you're probably walking, you're thinking, Omar, what is the sword of the Spirit? I mean, what is that thing? Well, go with me now to Ephesians chapter 6. I know we're jumping around different scriptures, but I think it's all coming together in how we can begin to kill sin in our life. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And here it is. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The word of of God. Now notice the sword of the Spirit here is what? God's truth. And so what the Lord is telling us here is that the single effective weapon to kill sin in your life, listen, it's not worship music. It's not um, fellowship with other believers. It's not uh, serving. It's not being generous. Listen, all those things are good and helpful and continue doing that. But listen, that is not That is not the sword of the Spirit. The one tool that will help you kill sin in your life is the Word of God. And here's how you can use the Word of God to kill that sin in your life. Write this down as letter C. You need to believe the specific promises in God's Word. The specific promises. Now, as we start this series, here's what I want you to understand. I want to give you the, the tactics of how sin works in our life. Every single sin in your life is always promising you something. You know, that relationship, that sexual sin is promising you pleasure. You know, that anger, that bitterness, that unforgiveness towards that family member. Listen, that, all, all that is promising you a, a sense of, of of entitlement and, and, and really knowing that, that, that you're in control of the situation. Uh, that, that, that addiction is promising you numbing the pain in, in your life. That greed is promising you security. The, that lifestyle is promising you happiness. You see, every single sin in your life is promising you something. And so you've got to get to a point when you start meditating on that specific sin in your life, whatever it is, and you've got to figure out what is that sin promising me? What about that sin? Is, what is that, try, is that sin trying to convince me? What, promising me pleasure, relief? What, what, what exactly is it? And once you have identified what that sin is promising you, then you go to God's word and you look for that specific promise or that specific specific truth in God's word that directly counters that sin, the promise of that sin. See, and the more you find the truth in God's word, that whenever that sin comes, it's promising you something. You find God's truth, that promise, and you grab the sword of the spirit and you begin to kill that sin in your life. So for example, when the sin of greed comes up and starts promising you security, 
Listen, you go to God's word and you realize, listen, that money is not your provider. Christ is your provider. And that it doesn't matter how much money you keep for yourself and trying to be a secure, Christ is the only one that could keep you secure, right? And so you see, you grab that, that truth and, and, and you go after that sin. Or maybe vengeance. You know, when the sin of vengeance approaches you and someone has wronged you, someone has hurt you, and in your mind you're thinking, man, I, I need to get back at them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that one thing. I'm gonna go after them. I'm gonna do that one thing. I'm not gonna speak, to, you know. Whenever that sin promises you, the vengeance promises you like vengeance, right? That, that's what you think. Listen, you go to God's word where in 1 Peter it says, listen, leave it to me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. See, for the child of God, God says, hey, listen, child of God, don't take vengeance on yourself. Don't try to get back to them. You leave it to me. If you trust me with your eternal, with your eternal salvation, you trust in me that I will take care of this in your life. Don't go taking out vengeance, rest in me. And you get that, that truth and you kill that sin of vengeance. Or for example, take the, the, the sin of racism. I know it's a hot topic and everyone's talking about it. And it's a very, very complex issue, but here's how, and there's a lot of things behind racism, right? But, but here's one of the things that racism does. You know, there's something in our sinful hearts from birth that we like to elevate ourselves above other people. That we think if we push ourselves up, that if we, that, 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 that the higher we are and the more that other people are down, the more worth we have, that you find your identity in how high and elevated you are and how better you are than other people. And so what happens with the sin of racism is that somehow you, somehow, some way, now you start acting that out and you start, the sin of racism, you start, oppressing them, you start speaking bad about them, you get physical, you know, and so basically here's what happens. You try, you know, the sin of racism promises that if you elevate yourself, you'll feel better about yourself, you have a better identity, but when you go to God's word, listen, you realize that every single person is created in the image of God. And every single person has dignity. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. And that our identity, our, our worth is not on based on comparison to other people and bring other people down and oppressing, but our identity is in Christ as children of God. That is our identity. And when you realize that you and everyone else is made in the image of God and that you realize that ultimately this whole thing, that our identity is found in Christ, isn't then you are free to love people. Now you're free to love everyone the same. Even those that don't look like you, you love them and you consider them more significant than yourself. And you see, you grab God's word and you start killing sin. And in this series, folks, listen, we're going to be looking at different sins throughout this passage. And we're going to be seeing how there's different promises and truth in God's word that are the key, right, to combat that sin in your life so that you can live the life that God is calling you to live. Now, family, let me end with this. Going back to our opening story, there was a point in, in time where the people of England were tired of Chamberlain. And so, and so the next person who came in was Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. I know a lot of us have seen this picture and know Winston Churchill. He's very famous. But notice the mentality that Winston Churchill had when he came into leadership. Listen to what he said about 
the tyranny of Hitler and the Nazis. He said this. He says, we have before us many, many long months and struggle of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? And I can say it is to wage war by sea, land and air, and with all of our might and with all of our strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny, never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy, you ask. And, and you ask, what is our aim? Here's our aim. I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all cost. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is what? No survival. Folks, that was the mentality that was necessary to take Hitler out once and for all. And folks, what an image of the mentality that you and I, as children of God, need to have towards sin. That the aim of this, of our life here, is victory against sin. And with Christ, that He will enable us. And through the sword of the Spirit, listen, we will start taking out sin out from our life so that we can live the life that God is calling us to live. And so before we end, let me just pray for us and let us go to the Lord and ask Him to stir up that urgency in our hearts as we start this new series to really kill sin in our life. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come before you and my Lord, I know all I speak on behalf of all of us, we have a desire, oh Lord, to not only kill sin in our lives, but to live a life that honors you. So Father, we come before you and I pray for all of us, including myself, that we would identify those areas in our life that are not honoring to you. And Father, help us raise our, our urgency to want to kill life and that throughout this series, as we dive into your word, that you would help us see what is, what is the way that we can do so. So Father, be with us, with our church. We love you. And uh, we cannot wait to see what you're gonna do in the middle of this series. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, church family, make sure to tune in next week for our second week of the series called Death to Selfie. Next week, we're gonna be tackling uh, uh, a sin that is very prevalent in our, in our society, and that is sexual sin. And so you don't wanna miss it. Make sure to tune in next weekend. I think it's gonna be very, very helpful for us as we seek to live lives that are holy and pure before Him. All right, Christ Fellowship, have a great week. God bless you guys.